football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And welcome to the scoreboard. WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming the scoreboard live on WEGLFM.com, we welcome you to the show. As always, Bay Marks sitting alongside Jacob Hillman, October 29th. It is Halloween week. Jacob, are you feeling spooky? As spooky as it can be with Auburn and LSU on the horizon because, man, we know how this game's going to go. Well, I mean, I should say we know how it's going to go because we don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, we were talking about that on the way over here about possible outcomes of the game and I just we'll get into it but it's it's going to be a weird game I don't really think anybody knows what to expect coming out of it but uh before we get started we will go ahead and just recap last game last week's game real quick Auburn traveled to Ole Miss on the road in Oxford Auburn squeaking out a last minute W with a Seth Williams touchdown um Auburn's offense did look a lot more competent in this game Tank Bigsby was the star of the show he was uh, freshman of the week in the SEC 24 carries for 129 yards with two touchdowns Seth Williams getting the co-offensive player of the week award from the SEC with 150 reception yards on eight catches in the game-winning touchdown as well. Bo Nix having a great performance on the road for probably one of the first times in his career. 23 of 30 for 238 yards and a passing touchdown. He also ran in for one. So this game was definitely a game that Auburn needed coming back home to going into the LSU game. Very much so. And the offense did perform well. Obviously, you can't take too much out of it because this Ole Miss defense isn't great. Every team that has played Ole Miss has scored a season high in points. Florida scored 51, Kentucky 41, Alabama 63, Arkansas 33, Auburn 35. And funny thing about that, Vanderbilt only has to score 13 points this weekend to score their season high. I think they're going to do that. But it's still an SEC victory on the road when leading up to that game, all the talk was about Bo Nix and his performances on the road where he's thrown, I think, prior to the Ole Miss game, I think it was 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions or 11 touchdowns, 10 Something like that, yeah. Not, not a good ratio. Not his, at all. His passing percentage was super low. He was not efficient. That was not the case in this game. And I really think it's going to build his confidence. And going into this week, you have a little more faith in the offense because St. Bixby also got 24 carries. And not just the 16 he had against Arkansas. We said he needed at least 20. Carolina. Yeah, and he got, I think he got a great amount. Of course, apparently DJ Williams is banged up. Didn't know that. But Sean Shivers came back, and he had a pretty good game in the limited carries. He got 11 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. That is serviceable for splitting carries with Tank Bigsby. So. Gus did say on the postgame Auburn, Re- Auburn review show um, that it, it was important for them to establish that run and get Tank carrying the ball. He said Tank runs aggressively. You can see that on Saturday. I mean, Absolutely stiff-arming one man on his way to his second touchdown of the day. Uh, should have had a 100-yard uh, kickoff return, but that unfortunately got called back uh, to and a questionable we'll, call. We'll get into the officials in yeah. a few minutes. <laughs> but regardless, biggest, biggest things to take away from that game was the offense definitely looked more competent, did miss some chances. Uh, defense did make a stand for yet another game, a third game in a row when they needed to. And I think also a big thing, Brandon Council, he is out for the season, according to Gus Malzahn. Yeah, and... Fortunately for Auburn, Keandre Jones will be stepping yes. in, and he's been impressive. And when, we talked about that last week. Yeah, he's been super impressive when he's had to fill in or they've been shuffling the offensive line. Now it's 
I think the shuffling's done. I think you've got to stick with this solid group that has improved every single week since the second game, since Georgia. So, I don't know. I'm happy with where the offensive line is, and I see it projecting even better. Of course, losing Brandon Council just is terrible. terrible. But yeah. I think that Keandre Jones will fill in well. Yeah, and I, I agree with the point you're making about the offensive line kind of needs to stick where it's at right now. They've improved in the passing game. Their run blocking has been a lot better on their assignments. Um, I think the group that they have now, granted, if Brandon Council was in there, it, I think it'd be even better. But Keandre Jones, I think, is not too far off uh, – being a decent replacement for him. So I definitely think that they have the guys they want up front. They have one or two guys they can replace uh, due to injury if they need to just because of the depth they have. Um, so all in all, Auburn does come out of Oxford with a victory. They moved to 3-2 and two on the season in the halfway point of the season. And now they move back home. Halloween matchup, 2-30 on CBS against the road visiting Bayou Bengals from LSU. The last time LSU was in Jordan-Hare Stadium was when Cole Tracy kicked a game-winning field goal our freshman year, and they ended up winning that game in Joe Burrow's first year uh, as the starting quarterback. Um, Auburn to go on to an 8-5 and season that year. That was a top-10 matchup, and Auburn was heartbroken. So let's go ahead and get into this game. They will not be with their normal starting quarterback, Miles Brennan. They will be with the freshman TJ Finley, who made his first career start last week, was 17-21 of 21 for 265 yards. Two touchdowns passing and threw an interception as well. He didn't look like a freshman. Now, granted, it does help being in your home stadium in your first start. Uh, so he will get his first road test of his career this weekend. Yeah, he looked great. And I'm not sure how it's going to translate to this week on the road against one of the better environments in college football and sports in general right now because Auburn is one of the stadiums that's letting fans in. And 17,000 students, it's going to be tough to play against. And it's not something he's going to be used right. to. Now that does it's not gonna be the same as full capacity eighty seven thousand, but Malzahn has said it throughout the year the students do make a little bit of a difference. Even if there's only a portion of them. Exactly. Yeah. So I really think that he won't live up to that performance this week, but he's still gonna be a dangerous a dangerous weapon for LSU that Auburn's gonna have to prepare very well for. I really think that it's gonna be a lot different than last year's LSU game. I don't know exactly what strategy you can implement to defend against him because this isn't Miles Brennan either. This is TJ Finley who who throws the ball pretty dang well for a freshman. I mean, 17 for 21 is no slacking 265 yards. The one interception was really bad, but that was the biggest mistake I saw in that game. And they also, going back to last year's game, Auburn held them to their season low of 23 points. Auburn only lost by three. Auburn played them the closest at any opponent in Death Valley. And they lost nearly every single off wep offensive weapon they had except Jamar Chase, who opted out of the season, and then Terrace Marshall, who last week Marshall had six catches for nearly 100 yards at 88 yards with two catching touchdowns. He's coming back onto the scene as well, proving to be a leader. Uh, and they threw up 52 points at home against a South Carolina team. The Auburn scored 30 less points than that against on the road. So um, I wouldn't play Finley short at all. I wouldn't expect him to just come in with nerves and just have a terrible game and have to go to a different quarterback. I would play him like you were playing Brennan, honestly. Uh, prep work, mindset. I think Finley is a good enough quarterback. He's 6'5", 6'6", big athletic bill. He gives you kind of a Cam Newton kind of feel. Gives you different options to do behind the center. Um, I, I would not be playing him short at all. No, and you mentioned Marshall. They already, they're clicking already. Yeah. That's what's impressive to me. Jare Jenkins either. Three catches for 76 yards. Coy Moore, three for 34. He's spreading the ball out. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at is that he's not just focusing on Terrace Marshall Jr., who is clearly their best receiver, their best player on the team. But he is spreading the ball around to all their different receivers and using all those weapons. 
and Terrace Marshall Jr. still dominates. So that is something that Roger McCreary is going to be up for a big test this weekend against Terrace Marshall Jr. And I think that is going to be the key to this game is whether Roger McCreary can lock down Terrace Marshall Jr. Because if he does, then I'm like like you said, you don't want to play him short. But without Marshall Jr., I don't know if the freshman is going to be able to spread the ball against Auburn like he did against South Carolina. I think a big thing as well is just it kind of comes down to if you're Auburn, I mean, it's just their mo- their motto with this offense is establishing the run. It's going to be an even tougher test this week at home. LSU, one of the top rushing defense defenses excuse me, in the SEC this year, they only average allowing 127.8 rushing yards. Uh, per game this year. Now, through the air has been their weakness. I remember you telling me before the show in my preview article that's up on WGLFM.com that Derek Singley was hurt for a little bit of this year. I didn't even mention him in the article um, at all, but he, if he is back and healthy, he will be a factor as well. But passing game is kind of where LSU's defense has been lacking this year, so definitely a chance for Bo Nix and you know Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz, those guys to get connected on some deep balls or some good routes in the game as well. Um, so I think the biggest thing is just allowing Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, and whoever else may be in the game running the ball for Auburn to go between the tackles and establish a run. Yeah, and I, I really think that it's going to be a continuation from last week for Bo Nix. I really think he's going to continue the great play because he's back in Jordan hair. So you saw a good game on the road, which, as we mentioned earlier, the talk was he hasn't been great on the road. He's fine at home. And now I really think he's going to have a great game. Yeah. I think probably the best game of his career so far trying to think at probably that Mississippi State game last year early that was a great year yeah and I think you know statistically that was the best game he can argue the Alabama game but I think he was just a great leader in that game quarterback wise he did good but it wasn't the best game of his career no I agree I really think that he has a chance to do that again this week and replicate that Mississippi State game I don't think the game will be like that because Auburn dominated that game yeah Auburn yeah but I think that Bo Nix can really take over and if he does that, then Tank Bigsby also has a great chance to take over because if you spread it out like I'm I'm imagining Auburn doing, then Tank Bigsby is going to be going up against three-man fronts, two linebackers. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think a big thing is just I like what you said about him continuing what he was doing last week. We mentioned in his career on the road, he hasn't been great, especially this year. You saw him against Georgia, didn't have a lot of protection up front, still didn't help himself out. Uh, against South Carolina two weekends ago. Didn't have a great game. Forced multiple interceptions. I think last week was huge in him and his development going forward here from Auburn because he hears it. He hears the noise. He knows what kind of expectations are put on his shoulders. I really expect him to come out, like you said, against Mississippi State. Not throw up huge numbers, but command the offense and spread the ball around because that's when Auburn is dangerous. We've seen it in their past two games. Against South Carolina, we mentioned on the show last week, when they were spreading the ball out within their first several plays of the game that were scripted, Auburn's offense looked insane. Last week against Ole Miss, Auburn looked great on their first few plays. Auburn scored 14 points in the first half and looked good. Um, and I really think that's just coming down to Bo Nix, knowing his assignments, knowing where everybody is, spreading the ball out, being a commander. I I, I agree with your take. I think Bo Nix continues it this week. I don't think he has an insane game, but I think he completes 60 to 75% of his passes, and the running game is there. So before we go to the break, Let's what make, do you want to say? We want to make two predictions. For, first prediction for the, for the game. Yeah, first obviously. Prediction, What's the score? The winner. That's the one. This game kind of comes down to it. We jokingly say Barnes going to win because Barnes cheating. Um, but I really think Auburn does win this game. I really want to say Auburn wins this by like seven to ten. I think just because it's at home. I think I think it comes down to another tight game in the third and fourth quarter. 
I think Auburn comes out in the fourth quarter with a great drive or two and a stop or two on defense, and the noise gets to a freshman quarterback in TJ Finley. I think Auburn wins by seven to ten. I say Auburn by one. I think it'd be. You always say Auburn by one. I said that. Who was that last who, week? Oh, that's a, was it, it against was Ole Miss? Week. Okay, that was the first time I said it last was last week. But I, I'm saying Auburn by one, 31 to 30. Now, second prediction: How will they score that last touchdown you know, on the last play of the game? You now we're talking about it. The SEC officials are giving Auburn all these victories. Think of the craziest way Auburn can win. I'll give you mine first. It's from Graham Carr on Twitter. Auburn's going to beat LSU on the last play of the game where we lateral 15 times and 13 of them will be forward. The rest will throw zero flags. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good prediction. It's gotten crazier and crazier. I think, so this is how Auburn wins the game, like in that fourth quarter? I mean, it, yeah. You know, I say yeah, Bo Nick spike that didn't that was a fumble but didn't count. You had Sean Shivers touch the kickoff and it rolling back at the you end. You remember zone. how Kentucky they were saying that he was in the end zone before Rogers pick six I got called back? I think late in the game in the fourth quarter, one of Auburn's two scores they need to come back is a tank Bigsby touchdown that he's short and it's called touchdown. And no and no evidence. That's boring. So. That's too realistic. Hey, well, hey, <laughs> you asked me. No, I'm saying that's gonna happen. If you only think of the if you only think of the craziest way possible. Something crazy. I say Kevin Steele reaches his foot on the field and trips somebody <laughs> while Auburn's running down the sidelines. This that's like Alabama 1925 Rose Bowl. Too much Bama. Too much Bama in me. I forget who that was, but not that we were alive for that. We were not. <laughs> we're not that old. But yeah, I think realistically, I do see it coming down to like a I mean, seven to ten point. No game. matter what, whether referees help Auburn again or karma comes back and bites them, and the officials help LSU, this game's going to be chaotic. Well, well, I mean, it's like it's like Auburn doesn't. Not that they don't hear that stuff. I mean, Gus Malzahn even said, somebody said, what do you think of the fact that Auburn's been getting fortunate calls or something to that extent? He said something like, well, we had a 100-yard kick six that got called back no, on, yeah. a, on a crap blocking call. That I mean, that's um, exactly right. It's, that's part he of normally, He normally doesn't even talk about stuff like Those that. Those are more, it's just that the two plays from the previous two out of three weeks, it's just magnified. Yeah. Because of how, because let's be real, both of them were really bad. The Arkansas woman's really bad. Bo Nix fumbled that ball. Now, there's an argument that it could have been recovered. The Sean Shivers one, that was bad because it did touch it, and that could have easily been reviewed and overturned. Yeah. My point just being like... But you're right. That's It, it goes both ways. That holding was pretty bad. It was behind the play. That's just become kind weird. of like a theme. It's just that like Auburn gets all these fortunate calls. Auburn's always cheating. Auburn Jesus. Hey. Maybe he'll be there in the stadium on the Halloween nights. Halloween matchup, Saturday afternoon in Jordan-Hare Stadium. What Tigers will it be scary for? We'll find out. On the other side of the break, Baymarks and Jacob Hillman break down this week in college football. Don't go anywhere. This is the scoreboard WGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Baymarks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Back on the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. On the scoreboard, I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we are getting into week whatever you want to call it of college football because it's like week five for the S- week six for the SEC, week two for the Big Ten, week, but it's week like nine or nine technically. for the ACC. Oh, on ESPN, it's considered week nine. Yeah. It's week six because that's when the SEC started. Yeah. But we're going to get into our college football predictions because it's finally starting to really, really feel like college football. Next week, we'll have Pac-12 after dark. Can't wait for that. 
Last week we actually had some late games. That what game was it that went to overtime? It was like San Jose State. Uh, it was a smaller game. It was a smaller game, but it was a great finish. Yeah, and it was just good to be. It was after midnight. It felt good to stay up late and watch a college football game. First game on the docket: Northwestern and Iowa. Northwestern. I mean, good for them beating Maryland forty-three to three. Now, of course, Maryland might be the worst team in college <laughs> football this year, but hey, we thought we thought it was going to be Rutgers. And, As always. And but. Rutgers. We'll talk about them in a few minutes. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, Maryland's in ugh, and Northwestern. I didn't expect them to win like that. Yeah. Northwestern's been struggling lately. But Pat Fitzgerald, don't ever doubt him. On the other side, Iowa lost to Purdue and Rondale Moore. I really want to go Iowa because I just feel like they're the better team. I'm going Iowa. I think if Northwestern wins this game, they can really prove themselves to me. And Iowa was also on the road last week and lost to a solid Purdue team. Um, And again, Northwestern was at home against Maryland, which that's Maryland. So give me Iowa and the pick I got the Hawkeyes. Let's go to the group of five, UCF-Houston. Two teams that last few years, they've been good. Tried to bust them, um, bust the college football playoff. But this year, middle of the pack, but two decent teams. This will be on ESPN Plus at 1 o'clock. I mean, I like UCF this year. I do as well. Gabriel's still good, and I think they'll get the victory. Uh, only a two-and-a-half-point spread, but a 68.8% chance to win the game, according to FPI. I like UCF as well. Marlon Williams has 54 catches on over 750 yards this year with six tutties. Give me UCF on the road. They're averaging 45 a game. Their defense needs to step up just a little bit, but I like them on the road. North Carolina and Virginia. North Carolina, number 15 in the country. They got up to number 5. But then they fell to the Seminoles. But they bounced back with a big victory over number 23, NC State. This was almost my my upset of the week just because, for no reason, the fact that Virginia's 1-4. I mean, just because it was a night game on the ACC Network. But I, I think North Carolina, I think they continue to roll after they're winning against uh, North Carolina State. I think Sam Howell continues to bounce back after his play at Florida State as well. Give me North Carolina and Mac Brown on the road. They win this game easy. Yeah, I still like this North Carolina team. Auburn's lucky they avoided them this year. I think I agree. In Atlanta, Auburn would be three and three. Yeah, in this, if it was, if this was a normal year, I don't know the way North Carolina was playing earlier in the year. I think they, I think they've started to water start starting to find its level a little bit. I still think they're a top fifteen team, but they're not that top five team that they were playing like earlier in the year. So I think that Auburn, it would have been rough for them. Yeah, because we saw how Auburn played earlier in the year. But yeah. I'm picking uh, North Carolina over Virginia. Number six, Oklahoma State and Texas. Texas has a 51.4% chance to win this game, according to FPI. I guess the computers are doubting the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Well, the spread's three and a half in favor of Oklahoma State. I agree. I think they cover. Uh, that's what I was asking in the break was, who do you think wins this game? I'm going to take Oklahoma State. Um, I just think they're going to be a little too much for Texas to handle. I do think it's going to be a shootout. Oklahoma State has a good defense, but I feel like that 12.0 points per game average that they averaged this year, I feel like that's going to get busted by a lot on Saturday, 3 o'clock on Fox. Give me a classic Big 12 shootout uh, in the afternoon slot. I'll be honest, Texas ain't it this year. They're not. I mean, they haven't been recently besides against Georgia when they were back. Give me Oklahoma State. This is my game of the week. Indiana and Rutgers, mm. both coming off huge wins relatively for both programs. Yeah. One of them was a little bit bigger than the other, but yeah. You're right. Indiana getting their first, I think it was their first top 10 wins since like 1988. 
on a very controversial play at the end of, end of overtime. What, what, was he in or out? I say he was in. You thought it was a touchdown? Yeah, I think it was one of the... You're correct either way, but you're wrong either that way. That was Big Cat's tweet or whatever? Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree with that. There was no chance I you think, were going to be right. I think that the ball did hit the ground first, but like you literally just said, he it's right that he was in, but it's also right that he was out. So, personally, I can see it going both ways, but... I have Indiana winning this game on the road just because they look so good against a good Penn State uh, team last week. Penn State did have some errors, but uh, I think they cleaned it up. I really do think the Nittany Lions are still a great team. You know how petty the poll was this week? Indiana's ranked 17th. I believe Penn State's it's ranked 18. 18th. They are. Yeah, solely because obviously Indiana beat them. But um, give me Indiana on the road. I like, like I said, Rutgers, they beat a Michigan State team who's really bad. They only beat them by 11, but they did beat them on the road. So give me the Hoosiers. Yeah, the, the polls are weird this year because of the Big Ten coming in late. I, I don't like it. But I'm also going to pick Indiana. I mean, what if Rutgers turns it around in the next few years and turns hey. into a decent program? Hey, you I might, never know. You know, Michigan State, obviously right now, eh, but. They're kind of a dumpster fire. Knows. I want 10 win Indiana. I want them to win the national championship. Do they Are they playing a 10-game season? They're playing seven games, but do they go to the Big Ten championship and then go to the playoff and win the national championship would be 10 games. You want Indiana to go to the playoff? Absolutely. <sighs> be realistic. Give it to me. Be realistic. Shout out to Home Field Apparel. They, they make the best shirts and hoodies. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Another group of five game. We've got Coastal Carolina, top 20 Coastal Carolina yes. against Georgia State. This game will be in Atlanta, formerly Turner Field. Not going to lie, I was tempted to pick the Panthers, but I think I'm going to stick with the Chanticleers just solely because they're in the top 20. Um, I don't think that Georgia State has a great defense. I think they're going to let up a lot of points to Coastal Carolina on the road. Um, I just really think that Grayson McCall is going to pop off as well. He's almost done for a thousand yards so far, eleven TDs and only one pick. Uh, I think he's a solid quarterback as well. So give me the shot to clears on the road. See, my heart is going to take this pick over me. I think my head says Georgia State, but my heart says Coastal Carolina, and I'm going with my heart. I mean, look at Georgia State's their four games. They lost one to Louisiana in overtime, and their other loss was by seven to Arkansas State, fifty-nine fifty-two. Their games, they won 49-29 over East Carolina and 36-34 over Troy. They're an exciting team. They play teams close. But like I said, my heart says Coastal Carolina. Give me the shots of clears. I don't even – well, and Coastal Carolina beat a top 25 Louisiana team this year. And even though it's Kansas, they beat Kansas on the road by 15. So. Kansas and those old FCS teams. Yes. Kansas State and West Virginia. Kansas State ranked 16th in the country. I mean, I think I picked they, West Virginia as my uh, <laughs> upset pick this week. They started off the year whew, facing that fun belt Arkansas State team, and since then it just reeled off. I mean, they, they beat Oklahoma the very next week and then just have not slowed down. I picked West Virginia. This is, is it, one of my upset see, picks this it, week. It's like it's technically an upset, but West Virginia is three and a half point favorites. I mean, yeah, yes, but still, the matchup predictor has them as underdogs. Letty Brown has ran for nearly 600 yards and six touchdowns. Ravaging 169 rushing yards this year. I think they run it through him. I think Saturday is West Virginia at home by a field goal. Yeah, this will be a, a fun game to watch in the 11A window, and I'm, I'm going to pick West Virginia as well. I don't buy Kansas State. Yeah, they've been rolling since then, but, I mean, they've had close wins over Texas Tech TCU, who may or may not be good. We don't know that yet. Well, TCU's just been a dangerous team lately. Yeah, pretty so much. So I'll give that to them. And, of course, their dominating win over Kansas doesn't mean anything. 
So I'm picking West Virginia as well. That clo- that was a close loss against Texas Tech. So moving on to the next game, another Group of Five game, top seven Cincinnati against Memphis, who obviously is always one of those teams that people buy into for the Group of Five. Does Memphis have enough to get it done? No, the Bearcats have a solid defense. Um, Memphis is not. They're used to that tenacious Tiger defense that they haven't had this year, ravaging over 440 passing yards a game. Secondary's not there this year for the Memphis Tigers. Give me Cincinnati at home. They move to 5-0, and and they stay in the top 10. If this game was in Memphis. I could pick Memphis to win it, I but it's it, not. But, so. but it's at Cincinnati. So Don't I've be tempted. Go, I have to go with the Bearcats. There you go. The game of the week. The Big Ten finally giving us a powerful showdown. Number three, Ohio State, and number 18, Penn State. This game would have been way more hyped up if Penn State hadn't fallen to Indiana, but it's still a hyped-up matchup. I think Penn State is the second-best team in the Big Ten against, obviously, the clear front-runner in Ohio State. Bay, what are we thinking? I like Ohio State. Uh, It took Ohio State a whole two quarters and then a little bit of the third quarter to finally start turning up against Nebraska last week. I told you, I was like, look, I was like, Nebraska's about to lose it in the second half, and Ohio State's going to pop off, and they did. Uh, I really like Ohio State. Justin Fields is going to be his last year at uh, the Horseshoe. Sean Clifford's a great quarterback. I think he's a top three quarterback in the Big Ten. But Justin Fields, obviously, Heisman candidate, only missed one pass last week. It was 20 of 21, 276, and two touchdowns. Um, I just think Ohio State overall is too dangerous. I think they're too lethal. They return way too much talent. I think Penn State keeps it close for a quarter or two, but just like last week, Ohio State begins to pull away, and Penn State's not going to be able to recover at home. The uh, whiteout's going to be ruined. Unfortunately, the, the whiteout would only be the seats because this would have been an insane game and high. Hopefully, up. we have one next year. That's what I was going to. I was going to say that. Like, Hopefully, the next whiteout's in September of 2021, and with we're there. The Auburn Tigers, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, Ohio State's going to win this game. Do they cover the 12.5 point spread? Yes. I think so, too. Justin Fields is just, he's insane. Can I ask you one thing before we go to break? Yes. If you look on the docket, Mississippi State plays Alabama this week, correct? At Alabama. Number two ranked Crimson Tide. They just lost Jalen Waddle for the season. Uh, Tide is still at home, 6 o'clock game on ESPN. The line is, or the spread is 30.5. <laughs> Does Bama cover? With as much yeah. drama that's going on in the Mississippi State locker room. Mississippi State is a. Uh, Dumpster fire right now. Bama covers. Bama covers, and I think it's not close. I think Bama wins by 40-plus. Anyway, on the other side of the break, more predictions. We're moving to the NFL. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks. You are listening to The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome to the school board, WGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming to the school board on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you to the show, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Bottom half of the hour, NFL talk of the show. If you want to call and be a part of it, call 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. I've been tempting my little brother Riley to call in. Riley's been listening to our show the last few weeks, so hopefully he'll call in today. Well, we're going to get into our NFL predictions for this segment, and we'll see kind of what we're thinking for this weekend because tonight's a big matchup for myself as the Falcons play against the Panthers. Panthers are back in black. That's what they've been teasing. I'm, I'm excited for it because the black uniforms are the best uniforms in the NFL, in my opinion. So, And now, 
as always, we have on the show Daniel from Helena. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, out of respect for how well Carolina played, I'm not going to make any comments about the game Sunday. Hey, I, I'll, I will accept that respect and say congratulations on the victory because Joey Sly was so close to making that 65-yarder at the end. And, you know, I, I have to take that L because when it, when a team has to come down to a 65-yarder, you can't expect them to make that. So, Daniel, let, let me ask you a question. Speaking of your team playing our teams, what happened to you calling in a few weeks ago after the Saints lost to the Packers? We didn't get you that week. Uh, I, I had to work. Okay, okay. Well, I'll forgive, you. I'll forgive you for that one. Bad excuse. Just that that should have been. That, I don't. If you're at work, your break should be during the scoreboard. Uh, you would think that, but with <laughs> as chaotic as Chick Fil A can be, sometimes you kind of just go whenever you see a light at the end of the tunnel. Fair enough. You you don't want to bail on your coworkers like that. No, you can't. Well, looking at the dog for the NFL this week, Saints and the Bears. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and ask you about this. 325 slot on Fox. How bad do you think the Saints are going to beat the Bears? Because they look incompetent right now. Um, I'll, I think it's going to be a 10-point game. Yeah, I think mean, that's pretty fair. I picked the Saints in the pick'em this week. Because, because I say that, but I remember the Saints are a little iffy right now. Yeah. But I still I still have confidence in Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. I really, think. really bringing it together and making sure the Saints make their push to the playoffs. Because... I still don't buy the Bucks, especially after they beat us. You know, that, it, it's hard for me to say. And they beat why. the Raiders on the road last week. Well, see, you know, I, I say that, and I go to NFL's homepage on ESPN. Why the Buccaneers are the NFL's best team by a mile? Give me get that crap out of here. Oh gosh, okay. let me let me say this: Saints at Bears. Saints win this game. It's a four and a half spread. I think the Saints cover, like Daniel said, I think a seven to ten point victory is probably pretty fair. Reason why is I think the Saints front seven get to Nick Foles early and often on Sunday afternoon. Nick Foles has just as many interceptions this season as he does touchdowns, which is six. So I think the front seven of the Saints get to him early and often. Nick Foles doesn't have a good day. I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a great day out of the backfield receiving, not just rushing. I think he has a great receiving day. And the Saints went on the road in the 325 slide. What do you say, Daniel? Uh, I think that's a pretty good prediction. Um, we're definitely not good enough offensively right now to score every drive. So I don't think we're going to blow them out. Um, the defense is a little shaky as well, but I, I would much rather play Nick Foles and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, so I think we'll hold them under three touchdowns. I think the final score will be about Actually, I'll, I'm going to go a little further. Than that. I think it'll be about 31-17, 34-17, somewhere in that range. I could see it. I just think on the road against you know the Bears' defense, I don't see it being extremely high scoring. I feel like the Saints are going to get an early lead that they just aren't going to let go of. I think the Bears kind of make somewat of a steamroll to come back in the second half. Uh, but like I said, I think that front seven is just really what makes the difference up against Nick Foles. I think that's the key to New Orleans winning this game, and that's the key... Uh, for Drew Brees and the Saints to get one step closer to the playoffs this season. So, give me the Saints on the road. And I guess we'll talk about your division rivals. Tonight, what, what's your thinking for Thursday night football? Um, 
the Carolina Panthers are going to keep pounding the Atlanta Falcons until there's absolutely nothing left. You know, I really hope I can turn this game off early tonight. Probably won't, but I hope that for good have, reason or bad. Oh, I. Okay, I know, I know you're, you're no, how no, I want to no. tank. J- no. Jacob's re- Jacob, one week will say that he's ready to tank, and the next week he's like, dude, forget tanking, we're going to the playoffs. It you got to be one or the other. It depends on the mood. And today, it's a good day. So you're ready for good reason to turn this game off early tonight when you're up three scores. Panthers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I think the Panthers win tonight, realistically, though. 720 on Thursday night football. Um I don't have much explaining to do. Atlanta, Atlanta last week with the Todd Gurley score. I mean, let the Lions drive down the field with a less than mediocre offense, and Stafford had just another chapter written into a storybook. Uh, Carolina wins this one at home. Y'all moved to 500 on the year and also 500 at home. Yeah, I, I mean, it's only a two-point spread, which is funny to me because I, I think the Well, Panthers, NFL spreads are always kind of lower. They are close, but... The Fal- Okay, so you know how I've always I always say the Falcons are the best. What they're the best one in six team of all time right now. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why. I mean, come off, look at their team. I'm- look at their offense. Be this bad. I just think it's their deep. Yeah, I think the Falcons are a good team. They just can't win because they have Dan Quinn syndrome. Like it's that simple. Whenever they bring in a new head coach and he changes the culture. Unfortunately, it's going to be too late because Julio's out of his prime. Matt Ryan might not even be there. The defense is not as young as it was two years ago, and they've been through all these injuries. I think that the Falcons' culture is going to change, and they'll be much better than they have looked over the last year or two. Well, now that we've talked— No, go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. I don't think we see Julio retired a Falcons uniform. I mean, I don't either. I mean, I know he wants to say in Atlanta, close to home— He's been there his whole career, but it kind of comes to a point where it's like, you know, you've done all you've, you've done for the organization. You kind of have to move on at some point. Calvin Ridley's kind of the future of that wide receiving core. I wouldn't blame him if he moved on. Um, but now we've talked about y'all's three teams, or y'all's two teams. We'll talk about my team, make the third one rounded out. Green Bay Packers at home hosting the Vikings. 5-1 and one versus 1-5. One and five. If you want to find a cold take from me and Jacob Hillman, go back to our preview of the <laughs> NFL season when I said the Packers finished last, and I said that the Vikings finished first in the division. Boy, was I wrong so far. So, Packers at home, I think we all know where we're going with this one. I have the Packers. I think they win by two scores. Uh, Kirk Cousins just is not a decent quarterback. They're going to have to draft somebody this year. He's 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Aaron Rodgers will protect the ball. I think it really depends on if Aaron Jones is healthy this week as well. Jamal Williams is a great backup running back. He had a solid week last week against the Texans on the road. Uh, but I really think Aaron Jones is what makes his offense so dynamic with him catching and running the ball. And having Devontae Adams back helps as well. So Green Bay wins this one, racks up a divisional win. Hopefully it's not too close. Uh, hopefully they win by about two scores. Yeah, Green Bay in an easy, easy win. I thought the Vikings would turn it around at some point, but here we are. All right, what about this Chiefs-Jets game? I was about to ask that, just because... The spread. Well, did you see the quote today from, I think it was one of Kansas City's either offensive or defensive linemen about uh, how New York's a great team, but due to their record, nobody gives them credit for it. What a dumb quote. It was was terrible. Terrible quote. Okay, I get it. To be fair, their coaching is awful. Okay, but their quarterback's terrible too. No, that's what I was getting into, is that their leading rusher's Frank Gore. He's 100 years old. Yes. No touchdowns on the year. Jameson Crowder is a good receiver but misused misused and he's not a number one guy this looks like a college football game spread 
Yeah, it does. It's 19 and a half. Pound the Chiefs. It was. At home. It opened at 20 and a half. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I, th- I guess people are, because of what happened with the Bills last week, I think everyone's betting on the Jets. Hey, it could happen. But I'm not saying it happens. Kansas City at home, 12 o'clock on well, CBS. The more insane thing is the money line. Plus 1,200 for the Jets to win. <sighs> that, $100 wins you 1,200. So, hey, if you're feeling freaky. If you feel like losing $100 and risking it to <laughs> make that much money, I guess. But that, that is true. Daniel, do you think the Chiefs will cover the spread? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. See, I see. I'm kind of on board with that. Like, I think the Chiefs are going to come out and just they're going to handle business. This isn't like if they were playing. I don't know. There's other teams like the Ravens that I think would have a spread similar to this. I don't think they would handle it like that. Whereas I think the Chiefs are going to come out and handle business. Let's move through a few of these before we get to the break, real quick. We'll give quick little predictions. New England at Buffalo. New England struggled last week. How much does Buffalo win by at home? Well, I mean, here's the thing Buffalo's struggling too, but they they're are. not struggling as much as the Patriots not are in Cam Newton. Bills are going to win this. Bills win by 10. This is going to be their first step to getting back to what they look like earlier in the year. Cincinnati hosting Tennessee. Is there an upset in the AFC this week? Not a chance. Tennessee had a heartbreaker last week. Joe Burrow will continue to stat pad. Tennessee wins this one on the road. Joe Burrow continues to get sacked. Nine touchdowns and five interceptions on the year for the potential Rookie of the Year award winner. Cleveland hosts Las Vegas. Cleveland coming off a great win against Cincinnati last week. Last second thriller. Las Vegas losing a heartbreaker. One they really thought they could compete in at home against the Bucks. They're at 500 on the year. Do the Browns move to 6-2? and two? This is tough for me to pick, but I'm going to have to go with the Browns at home. I think I picked the Raiders. See, it is, it's going to be raining. It's going to be cold. I, I like to pick. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Browns, but I do like that Raiders pick. It's, I think this is a better game than what people are predicting. Uh, give me the Raiders on the road. I like Derek Carr and his experience in Cleveland. Uh, I really like that game a lot. So, real quick, Miami hosting Los Angeles to attack of Iloa. I don't understand why they would start his make his first start against Aaron Donald. Poor Fitzpatrick, man. Bold. I feel bad for Brian Fitzpatrick, but... I feel bad for Tua Tagovailoa. I still think the Rams are frauds. They didn't show that on Monday night. Okay, I was say, they had a great win last week. Rams are going to win this one. I think Rams win. I don't fully buy them. I think they win this week, though. Let's see. Moving down the list real quick. Denver hosts Los Angeles. Two young quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Justin Herbert's teams. Who wins this game and why? I'm going to give it to Justin Herbert. He's rolling. He looks good. Chargers are hyping everyone up. I think the Chargers as well, even though they're 2-4 and four on the year, they've had a lot of close losses. They lost to Carolina by five, lost a heartbreaker to Tampa Bay, lost in overtime to Daniel Saints, uh, had a good win against Jacksonville last week. It was probably one of the week's best games. I like him on the road as well. Seattle hosts San Francisco. Seattle coming off a heartbreaking loss to Arizona, a game that Russell Wilson kind of threw away with an errant pass in overtime. I mean, heck, the Cardinals almost lost that game too, going for a field goal on second down. But nonetheless, Seattle goes back home and hosts a divisional game. They'll bounce back. They'll bounce back. I don't like Jimmy G right now. He's the definition of average. If you look up average in the dictionary, it's going to be Jimmy G right now. So I'm going with the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks as well. I think they bounce back and they get they get DK a little more involved. He wasn't really involved last week. Tyler Lockett, man, nearly won me my fantasy game when I was down 60 points. Got me within a five-point range. He was still nuts. Lost. He was nuts. But uh, I like Seattle. I think they're rolling. I think they still look good. They're going to shake off that loss last week. Toilet Bowl matchup of the week is Sunday Night Football. The Eagles host Dallas. Who wins this ugly NFC East game? I guess the Eagles. I don't know. You guess? I guess. I think I, I guess the Eagles as well. Andy Dalton should be back. He had a horrendous hit last week. We hope he's okay. Um, I think Philadelphia at home just because, I mean, Dallas is just turning into a terrible team. 
And then real quick for the break, obviously, Monday Night Football. Hey, new, what? you missed the game of the week. What is it? Steelers-Ravens. Oh, yeah, go for that real quick. Sorry. Steelers remain undefeated. I think so, too. This is the first time I've picked them this year. <laughs> hey, you're going to be right, because I'm picking them, too. They've, they've played a tough schedule, and I don't know. I just didn't buy them. And we both have Tampa winning yeah. in New York. I completely forgot the Steelers game. Sorry, Bryce. Roommate's a big Steelers fan. <laughs> On the other side of the break, we're going to end the show with the World Series. Thank you, Daniel, from Helena, for calling in. We appreciate it, brother, and we'll see you next time. All right, I'll see you guys. See you on the other side of the break, folks, for the World Series recap. This is the scoreboard, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Final segment of the show here on the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks. Major League Baseball made it. The 60-game sprint to the playoffs. Hey, no, made it. no, no, no. Last game of the year. Okay. They made it, though. To, they made it to the last game of the year. That could, It potentially wasn't going to be the last game of the year, but continue. They made it through the playoffs. Until Game Six of the World Series, in the middle of Game Six of the World Series. Well, well how do you not have the test before? Do we want to end the show? We'll end the show with that. No, we got to talk I, about I'm, it. Now. Okay, fine. I'm fired up about it too. Here's the thing. Give give context. Dodgers win. Whatever. We don't care. I'm I'm ticked about it. Anyway, they went three to one after Kevin Cash pulls Blake Snell inexplicably after giving up two uh, giving up two hits in six or seven innings. And the Dodgers go on, score, and win. Yep. Well, in the seventh inning, no one really noticed it. I, mean, I guess some people noticed it. Justin Turner was pulled from third base. Didn't make any sense. Justin Turner's one of the best players on the Dodgers. He has the most home runs in Dodgers postseason history. One of the best third basemen in the league. He's a great player, so it didn't make any sense. It's not like he's a liability at third base. He's a good hitter, a good defensive player. He gets pulled. Post-game starts, the Fox leads off with Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19. Like, literally, we were sitting out in the living room, me and my other roommate Carter, and before the trophy presentation, they came in from the Fox studio and said, breaking before we get to the World Series trophy presentation, Justin Turner has tested positive for COVID-19. And I kid you not, it was one of those moments where you say, my jaw dropped. And I yelled at Jacob to come out in the living room. This, this was too, this is too positive, too. This is not a false positive because he, the date during the day of game, uh, or their off day, that he tested positive but it was inconclusive at first. So the next day, when they realized, the next day's test for him, when they realized it was inconclusive, they expedited it, made it where they figured out his test first, it was positive, and they eventually found out that his test from the day before was also positive. So do you think he tested again and get, try and get three in a row? Or do you think it's like two, like two in a row, it's like, okay, you definitely have it, or do they do the three test process like when you want to test negative? Yeah, that, I don't know. But I, either way, like, it's still, like yeah. you need to be better safe than yeah, sorry. Yeah. You need to know that before the game. And, and he was still out on the field. Yeah, of course, he was asymptomatic. He, you know, he he feels fine and stuff. And that led to a very, very, I think, a bad scene for baseball. For say, say what you said about Gobert, though. This is, this is the Rudy Gobert situation on steroids. Because it's infinitely worse because, you know, back then, Gobert didn't know anything. We, we knew literally nothing. We still thought that this was a virus that we spread through touch. Now, now we know it's not. We it, it's something that's through air. You know, we're still learning about it, but we know a lot more now than we did back then. So, 
even though that caused everything to shut down and everything, that was a that was gonna happen no matter what. This we know a lot about, and he's out there with his teammate. Like, you know, there's a lot of human emotion in this, and I completely understand you worked your tail off to get to this moment, especially the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been through a lot of crap over the last four years. They've came so close and have lost. But this was just so irresponsible. And it met, it has such a bad look on baseball. And I think uh, for a lot of people, this was this is what they talked about. They didn't talk about the Dodgers winning the World Series. They talked about they didn't talk about the Rays making a terrible move in the sixth inning. They talked about this guy who tested positive for COVID twice was on the field without a mask around fifty plus people. And there was a picture of him kissing his woman. Yeah, and it's, you know, that's one thing. Because now, I, I won't say that's one thing. I will say, to be fair to that, he's going to be sleeping in the same bed as her. He's going to be in the same house as her, probably. It's, you Whatever. Know. But, like, those are your teammates who you don't live with. Yeah, I understand. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure those teammates are going to want to go see family after they win the World Series and they've been in this bubble. So you're putting everyone at risk. And I just, Major League, to be fair, Major League Baseball was saying, no, go isolate. I'm sorry you can't do this. But the Dodgers and Turner insisted that he would. Now, obviously, it's bad because, you know, Major League Baseball did end up letting him do it. But it's just, it just sucks because it leaves a, a massive just like, it's kind of a, it's a glaring issue where it's like, they really let this guy in the middle of a pandemic about this virus we still do not have control over go out there without, like, he had a mask on for most of the time, but he was taking it off. He took it off for the pictures, took it off to hug his wife. I, I think know. the I think the biggest thing is also the best thing about it is the season's over. Every it is over. Hopefully nobody else got that virus spread to them, especially through the celebration. So biggest thing is season is over. Um, so he he can go isolate, get treatment or rest up, feel better. Um, so regardless, he is World Series champion now. As is Clayton Kershaw. That was one of the things he was lacking on his resume. I think he was really chasing after. He was tired of hearing the postseason Kershaw talk about how he wasn't showing up. This postseason, he showed up. And and the good thing is, is there's not going to be the haters that can say anything about his Hall of Fame. I think he's definitely one of the all-time greats. He now. was a clear-cut Hall of Famer already, but there will still be people that say no. But you can't argue yeah. it anymore. He's a great pitcher. He was already a great pitcher. I think that was just something he was lacking, uh, holding him out from one of those all-time great conversations. But. Dodgers win it. Uh, I'm. I wish the Tampa Bay Rays would have won it. Randy, Randy Arozarena. That's a mouthful. He had an insane series. Uh, he has more postseason home runs in his first postseason than Barry Bonds had in his entire career. Speaking of Hall of Fame, he's going to be future Hall of Famer. I'm calling that future now. goat. I am calling that now. He was a rookie from I believe it's the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, and he had a great postseason this year. Played the outfield for the Rays. If you didn't know who he was, kind of a late bloomer into the scene, but he. He's definitely going to be one of the bright spots in the league. He's one of those fun young players that is going to bring a lot of attention to the league, I think. You know, Ron Cunha Jr. has done that. Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado. Guys like that have brought attention to the league, and it's going to have help the younger audience, the younger generation, really start love to baseball again. Because that's been a problem over the last few years, and I think that he's one of those guys that can help change that. And like you mentioned before, I do feel bad that Blake Snell got pulled, especially being a baseball, former baseball player myself. That's definitely one of those moments where you're born to compete. It's an elimination game in the World Series. Your stuff's working. You allow your second hit of the night, and you get pulled. I would at least... Like, like 73 it, pitches, too. At least a mound visit, but don't pull them. And, and, I mean, even not being a baseball player, you can just tell how pissed off he was. When he got pulled, you saw him mouth. Well, that's why you the four letter word. Well, that's why you train your whole life. You work out. You 
practice, you perform for that moment. And then when you get yanked like that, it's just like your heart's getting ripped out of your chest. I mean, you feel like, do they trust me? I think there was a situation like this with Garrett Cole. Correct me if I'm mm. wrong. The same thing happens. Garrett Cole left the Astros. And we'll see what Blake Snell does. I think he'll be. I think the Rays still, but I think so too. I think the Rays next year again are set up to be a very decent team as well. Absolutely, I hope my team is. Uh, God, who in knows? the same division, <laughs> we're in the same division. I think we're one of the hardest teams to predict for next year. You can't say the same because your team has a lot of young talent coming back. Uh, Please resign, Marcelo Zuna. Hey, we have Sale coming back. If I if, think you're right, if Rodriguez can get healthy too, they're, they're hard to predict, but they're going to take a step in the right direction. Yeah, I hope so. But so. like I said, your team, y'all don't have much to worry about. Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, 2020. <laughs> MLB offseason is now underway. We'll see how everything goes. NBA, NHL still trying to figure out how they're going to restart. We'll see how the MLB decides to restart, and we'll talk about that when that comes in over the next month or so. But you've been listening to the scoreboard here on Wiggle 91.1 FM or WiggleFM.com. Auburn LSU, happy Halloween. Stay safe. And we're signing off. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.